possibly falling on deaf ears, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast whose magic eight ball always says, ask again later. He takes a half hour to cook minute rice. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are uh, beginning another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, inspired by, based on the book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever. As I say in every episode, the 2022 version is out for your perusal at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And you can have that thing in any number of editions. You can have the Kindle edition. You can have the Audible edition, wherein I read the book to you. You may have the uh, hardcover version or the softcover. Right now, the softcover version, the paperback, has been running away. The sales for the paperback far exceed all of the other types of editions. Uh, I would say the second best would be the Kindle. There are a lot of people with Kindles out there. And apparently a lot of them are thinking about Medicare because we sell quite a few Kindle editions. The people buying the hardcover version and the people buying the audible version are a special breed. And I haven't figured out yet what their motivation is, but the results are the same in any case. When you read my book, which is not a really long read, it doesn't have a lot of big, huge words in it. It doesn't have a lot of boring uh, in insurance information or government uh, information in it, but it's a fairly short, friendly read. You're going to have a really good understanding of Medicare and why it came to be the way it is, and how you can best deal with Medicare. I explain the decisions that have to be made, and which of those uh, directions is probably the best for you, given a certain set of circumstances. And if that information in the book isn't enough, I encourage, welcome, and applaud anybody who wants to contact me. Because in order to satisfactorily complete your uh, introduction into Medicare and you're crossing over into the Medicare world, you're going to need some insurance to fill in the holes and gaps in Medicare. You're going to need a licensed insurance agent to help you acquire that insurance. And by yump and yemini, I am just the guy for you. And I'm licensed everywhere. So wherever, wherever you are, I can be, at least in spirit. And uh, with electrons, I can send you forms to sign. I can send you information. I can answer your questions. And pretty soon, you will have done everything you need to do to have a long, happy life on Medicare without really ever having to think about Medicare ever again, except to know that it's there to protect you from medical expenses. And frankly, there's a guy that protects me from expenses of all kinds. Uh, his name is Randy Carson, and he's sitting right on the other side of the screen. Randy, how are you today? I'm good. I uh, I feel particularly bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today. I've got enough caffeine in me to knock an elephant down, but I'm, that keeps me awake. Other than that, I'm, you know, I can't, I can't really can't function unless I have caffeine. 
Well, you may remember that you had a little too much caffeine on our last uh, recording, our last <laughs> podcast episode, because we started talking about stuff and we almost burned up the whole episode talking about things that had nothing to do with Medicare, like uh, Woodstock and, and Virginia, early American uh, colonial history and things like that. Virginia so, Dare. We, we, we talked about all those people. We talked about Jimi Hendrix. We talked about Jimi a number Hendrix. of things. So I, I, do have, I do have one thing. We're, we're gonna we're gonna stay on track today, but I do have one thing. Okay, this is not how we stay on you. track. <laughs> ask, I have ask one. Away. You you were talking about the Kickapoo Creek uh, mini festival. Yeah, yeah, festival. Okay. Yep. Did you know that there was a soda back in the day called Kickapoo Joy Juice? Yeah, I heard about that, but wasn't that in uh, a comic strip? Wasn't that in Little Abner? Well, no, it was actually it was actually a soda back in the Midwest. I don't know; no it may not have been where you were, but there, it was actually a soda. And uh, I I couldn't imagine it must have been named after that festival because where in the world are you going to come up with a name like Kickapoo? Well, the Kickapoo Indians probably are the ones who uh, we can credit for, you know, coming up oh, with the name Kickapoo. Oh, I okay, I get it now. Yeah, so everything named Kickapoo probably descends from the Kickapoo tribe of Indians. Well, I, I apologize. I didn't realize that was an actual Native don't, American don't apologize. Tribe. Don't apologize to me. Apologize to them. I'm sorry, folks. Any of you <laughs> who are a member of that nation, I apologize. I didn't realize that that was an actual official name. But anyway, I'm going to keep us on track today. I promise, Doug. Yeah, yeah, advertiser, yeah. After the after the last episode, the advertisers called me really squeaking about the fact that we had not talked about anything other than stuff that we got off track on. And but they probably threatened to withhold their their hefty payments. I'm sure they were withhold. They said, if you don't get with the program, we are going to make you refund everything we've sent you. All right. Here is the book. Here is the there, book. Oh, of, my God. There it is. And it was written by a guy named Craig, K-R-E-G-G, last name Argenta, A-R-G-E-N-T-A, and it's entitled When Woodstock Came to Town. And as I said, it's about the two festivals, rock festivals. One was held in downstate Illinois. The other, uh, that's Hayworth, Illinois, and Sedalia, Missouri was the other one. And he compares and contrasts them, and uh, I it was of interest to me because I attended the one in Hayworth, Illinois, and I had cousins in Sedalia, Missouri, and so uh, that's the name of the book. You can get it uh, at uh, you know Amazon, I suppose, and so forth and so on. And you know something, the clock always runs faster at the beginning when you and I are jaw jacking because we are sneaking up on seven minutes now. So, we are. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and kick it off into the actual technical side of this podcast. Everything you want ever wanted to know about Medicare supplement plans. It's really easy from my perspective, Doug. Don't, don't buy anything. Don't <laughs> buy anything but part A, part B and a Medicare supplement and part D if you need it. Yeah, drug plan. Well, you're going to need it because if you don't buy it now, you'll pay a lifetime late enrollment penalty. So my advice to people is always to buy that drug plan, even if you don't 
uh, need it right now. And the thing is, you buy the cheapest one there is, which is going to be less than $7 in most places. And then when you need the drug plan later on, like you're starting to take some expensive uh, prescription medications, you can switch every year at the end of the year to the a different drug plan of your choice. And what I do is I help people identify the cheapest drug plan that will cover the, you know, their drugs and uh, cost them the fewest dollars out of their pockets. But that's a story for another time. I think maybe I'll do another episode on that because people are always interested in the drug plans. And there's a certain number of my clientele that actually go to the website, the government website, and put in their drugs and put in their favorite drugstores and do the calculations themselves. So it's simple to do. And I think maybe Randy, you and I are going to do that on one of these upcoming episodes. But today, my original plan was to talk about community health centers. And I think we will do that. It will be uh, a longish article, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I am, um, Nonplussed. I'm I'm kind of confused because basically what we've got here is there are community health centers out there in rural or poverty-stricken areas that the federal government funds. And they give these guys a bunch of money. And the people that have these health centers set up the health centers in such a way as to offer medical care and prescription drugs, including Things like, um, uh, you know, uh, treat uh, diabetes. Uh, what is the uh, drug uh, that people use for diabetes? Um, insulin. What, insulin. Thank you so much. Um, this is a, a place where people in many rural areas can go to get the kinds of treatment they need without having to either go downtown or spend a lot more money. And so this article was written about a, a just such a place in Darlington, South Carolina. So the headline is Community Health Center's Big Profits Raise Questions About Federal Oversight. Uh, It's a brand new article, August of 2022. And it says in Darlington, South Carolina, just off the deserted town square, with its many boarded up businesses, people are lined up at the walk-up pharmacy window of Genesis Healthcare, a federally funded clinic. Uh, Now, when I think of Darlington, South Carolina, I think about the racetrack there and the fact that uh, certain times of the year, that place is just full of NASCAR fans. But apparently it's... Aren't the petties based there? Maybe so. Maybe so. I've never been to Darlington, so I don't know for sure. But uh, uh, it's a, a thriving NASCAR community, but apparently the town itself isn't thriving to that extent. So according to this article, these poor people come up to this clinic when it opens up And the drug sales, it says, provide the bulk of the revenue for this Genesis nonprofit community health center, treating about 11,000 mostly low-income patients in seven clinics across South Carolina. Those sales helped Genesis record a $19 million surplus on $52 million in revenue. That's a margin of 37%. that That occurred in 2021. Uh, It was the fourth consecutive year the center's surpluses had topped 35%, the record show. The industry average is 5%, according to a federally funded report on the health center's financial performance. So this Genesis outfit doing 37% as opposed to 5%, the industry average, sounds like they're doing something right to me. So let's read on and find out what other people think about that. Genesis attributes its large margins to excellent management 
and says it needs the money to expand and modernize services while being less reliant on government funding. The center benefits financially from the use of a government drug discount program. Still, Genesis Healthy Surplus stands out among nonprofit, federally qualified health centers, a linchpin in the nation's safety net for treating the poor. The federal government pumped more than $6 billion into basic funding and grants last year uh, into 1,375 privately run centers around the country, which provide primary care for more than 30 million low-income people, according to this article. In 2021, the American Rescue Plan Act provided an additional $6 billion over two years for COVID-19 care. I think we're starting to hear that a lot of that was siphoned away by fraudulent activities and by bad uh, people. Anyway, these community health centers must take all patients, regardless of their ability to pay, and in return, they receive annual government grants and high reimbursement rates from Medicaid and Medicare, higher than uh, those offered to private physicians. Yet, an analysis found that a handful of centers recorded profit margins of 20% or more in at least three of the past four years. Health policy experts say the surpluses alone should not raise concerns if the health centers are planning to use the money for patients. But they're being attacked by a bunch of people who don't like the idea that they are making profit. There's a certain group of people out there who do not appreciate profit, private enterprise, and the motivating that, uh, effect that profit has on people. So uh, this uh, accounting and health professor at Johns Hopkins University questioned why some centers should be making a profit margin of 20% or more over consecutive years. A center with high margin raises questions about where the surpluses go and their tax-exempt status, this guy says. The centers have to provide enough benefit to deserve their public tax exemptions, and what we are seeing here is a huge amount of profits, she said. Uh, I thought it was a guy, but now it's a she. So I think it, it transitioned. This person transitioned from male to female right in the middle of that paragraph. Uh, the centers must be able to answer questions about why aren't they doing more to help local communities by expanding their scope of services. Officials at the health centers defended their strong surpluses, saying the money allows them to expand services without being dependent on federal funds. And I applaud that. It helps them save for big projects, such as construction of new buildings. They pointed out that their operations are overseen by boards of directors, at least 51% of whom must be patients, ostensibly, so operations meet communities' needs. Health centers are expected to have operating reserves to be financially sustainable. Uh, this, this is uh, a statement written by or uh, uttered by Ben Money. So he's talking about the money that these centers earn, and his name is Money. There's no coincidence there, I'm sure. Senior Vice President of the National Association of Community Health Centers. Surpluses are necessary as long as health centers have plans to spend the money to help patients. And the health center says we don't take unnecessary risks. The annual federal base grant for centers makes up about 20% of their funding on the average. Uh, the grants have more than doubled over the past decade. The federal grants to the centers are provided on a competitive basis each year based on a complex formula that takes into account an area's need for services 
and whether the clinics provide care to specific populations, such as people who are homeless, agricultural workers, or residents of public housing. The centers also receive Medicare and Medicaid reimbursements. That can be as much as twice what the federal programs pay private doctors. In addition, some health centers like Genesis, the one we've been talking about, also benefit from a 340B federal drug discount program, which allows them to buy medicines from manufacturers at deeply discounted rates. The patient's insurers typically pay the centers a higher rate and the clinics keep the difference. Clinics can reduce the amount of -of out-of-pocket costs for patients, but are not required to. So the um, uh, analysis, let's see here. Oh, boy. I'm not seeing a lot of juicy meat in the rest of the thing. The the, uh, centers defend themselves by saying we don't take unnecessary risk with corporate assets. Um, in 2021, that center had $9 million in surplus on $36 million in revenue. More than $25 million of that revenue came from the sale of drugs. Uh, the center is building a financial cushion in case the drug program ends. Drug makers have been seeking changes in the program. So this goes on and on, but I believe what I've learned from this is that these centers exist to help people and um, they appear to be doing a good job. I could find nothing in this article that tells me that there's any complaint about the health center's uh, quality of service or how widespread their services are. They're serving the communities that they were expected to serve and they're being funded to serve. What we have is a certain group of people sniping at them because these uh, services are profitable. Now, the profits appear to me to be used for appropriate um, uh, purposes, such as infrastructure improvements and expansion to new areas of service. And so I would have to say that in the absence of any serious complaints about the quality of their service to the towns that they're operating in or to the populations that they're serving, uh, I think the sniping people, the, the complaints should dry up and uh, let things proceed. Keep an eye on things, but let things proceed. We see the same sort of complaints about Medicare Advantage plans. Oh, yes, they're there as altruistic uh, efforts to help people get excellent coverage at very reasonable cost and everything. But then we see the complaints. There's a, a whole ration of complaints about Medicare Advantage plans when they misserve uh, the people who are members of their plans and who are sort of trapped there. Uh, in this case, I'm not seeing legitimate complaints about the quality of the service provided by these individual, uh, these uh, privately owned health plans, these uh, clinics. So I'm going to say that keep an eye on them so that they don't have, uh, they don't succumb to the temptation to keep that grant money to themselves. Let them continue doing what they're doing. But I don't see any legitimate complaints about uh, the reason uh, that the people are complaining about, which is uh, building up profit surpluses. So I applaud them. If this is all accurate reporting, then I applaud them for providing a good service to poor people and to do it at a uh, reasonable cost and under budget. They came in uh, apparently under budget, just like the uh, Golden Gate Bridge uh, took less time than they thought and was cheaper to build than they thought. And that thing is still standing and doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, One other little thing I ran across this morning 
which is a little disturbing. The White House is said to plan extending the COVID health emergency. Another three months of special powers are incoming if the Biden administration goes ahead, as reporters as reports say it will, and renews the public health emergency. That just allows them to order people around. Uh, and frankly, I don't applaud the uh, additional powers that the White House wants to grab. I'm not pleased about this at all. And finally, uh, hot off the presses is um, a nice little note from Dominic Regina, one of our favorite uh, uh, podcast listeners. And he said, I just wanted to congratulate you on your first podcast guest appearance. I thought you did an outstanding job. Uh, and then of course my, my printer printed off the edge of the paper. So I don't know what he's talking about here. Uh, I thought you did an out st- and then in the next line, it says talking about seriously. Well done. I think this could be a new Avenue for you and all the shareholders of MLM and something about help with Mr. Carson. Well done. Well, thank you, Dominic. I sure do appreciate uh, the kind words. I'm happy that you enjoyed it. And I hope the other audience uh, members did. This is, uh, I forget, it's like episodes uh, 378, 379, maybe 380. Two episodes of my interview uh, on the podcast of Little Joe's Conservative Corner. That's Little Joe's, with an apostrophe S, conservative corner. And if you want to hear the 33 minutes of me pontificating and jawjacking like I do with Randy, then uh, find Little Joe's conservative corner wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, people seem to think it was enjoyable. Uh, the My biggest concern was the spousal unit. And after listening to it, she said that I did a fine job. I got her stamp of approval. So that was fine with me. Randy's listened to it, and he seemed to think I didn't screw it up. So I'm happy with that. So I think we brought it in under the wire today. We Be- did. Better Which than our I, usual. I can't remember. what. When was the last time that that happened? Oh, it's never happened before. <laughs> we're sneaking up we're sneaking up on 400 episodes and we've established quite the reputation for blowing the uh the schedule i'll tell you what it, we pay for our for our airtime by the minute so we we just got to back off just a few minutes and we'll be good and we'll be under budget okay well uh that's tough to do easy to say tough to do <laughs> so anyway we are uh we need to land the plane i need to Take care of a few little wrap-up items uh, before we sign off for today. Uh, I've got a special request. I think this is going to be a a great idea. I haven't cured, you know, I haven't cleared this with Doug, but I think he'll be okay with this. So I I normally ask you to just send Doug some mail at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. But in particular today, I would ask that you send him a question that you haven't heard us answer. I mean, we've done, like Doug said, 380 episodes, and we've covered a lot of territory, you know, from point one to point 380. But there may be something that even the longtime listeners haven't heard us answer about Medicare. You know what's, you know what's going to happen, Randy? All kinds of questions about uh, the Roanoke Island uh, colony, <laughs> uh, Woodstock, Kickapoo Creek. We're going to get everything well, you know, but I- Medicare. 
I, I did li- I did limit it to Medicare questions, so we'll oh, see okay. how our audience we, we uh, see how the audience does. But in the meantime, we do absolutely have to thank you for joining us. Every uh, what is it? Three times a week we do this. Three right? times a week. Yes, hard to believe. Why? I'll tell you, that's hard. That's hard to think. We're up to three hundred and eighty episodes, but ultimately, yes. Yeah, send Doug a mail with a med- with your favorite Medicare question that you haven't heard us answer recently. I can't imagine that there would be something we've never touched on, but if there is. Doug will give it a shot, right, Doug? Absolutely. You better believe it. So dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Go to Amazon, get yourself a you know a stack of his paperbacks, the 2022 versions with the green number. They are the absolute best, what is it, four, five, six, depending on the format, yeah. dollars you will ever spend. The Trust most me. expensive is that that uh, museum piece hardcover version. I think that's seventeen bucks. And I kept the yeah, price well, down by putting black and yeah. white instead of color illustrations in it. Yeah, and if I had had any contacts to get a hardcover version, I would have one. But I don't have any contacts. Hey, just take a little peek in your Christmas stocking. <laughs> well, I will. I okay. will. Okay. So thank thanks for everybody joining us today. There's an audio version. There's a Kindle version. So get one of them because it'll be the best money you ever spent. But in the meantime, you have just spent 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance guy, originally hailing from Oklahoma, but now residing in Cave Creek, Arizona, in his high altitude fortress of solitude. And he's also, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, working on his high altitude guide license. (laughs) Goodbye for now.